The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Don't you just hate it when you're watching some murder mystery on TV? And the good guy gets got and the bad guy gets away with it. Well, that's why we came up with our concept of karma. Well, that might be also why we came up with our concept of hell. But here's the thing. We Westerners got hold of this concept of karma and we turned it into a Western motif, all filled to the brim and overflowing with good-evil duality. So this one is one in which we're, if we're bad in one lifetime, then that same kind of badness will happen to us in the next lifetime. And if we're good in a lifetime, that same kind of goodness will happen to us in the next life. Well, what this creates is a kind of seesaw effect, as we shall see, a seesaw we never get off of. But that's not the original concept of karma, which actually has nothing whatsoever to do with goodness or badness. So show up for the show today. Be present. Be here and be real to get the concept of karma, a concept that has the potential to change your life. So karma is one of those things, you know, we say uh, karma's a bitch, you'll get yours. What goes around comes around. You're supposed to get God. When you get somebody else, you're supposed to get God. You're supposed to get yours. And there's supposed to be some kind of um, uh, a principle of justice that is has an energy all of its own that carries out its own motif and and uh, pleases us all and we can stand back and applaud when the person who needs to get got gets got well that's not exactly how it was ever meant to work um, and one of the things that's really kind of disturbing about this whole concept of karma the way we have understood it in the western world is that we we have uh sort of put ourselves in the mix so if you get me in this lifetime then I get to get you in the next lifetime and then of course since I got you in the next lifetime then you got to get me back in the next lifetime and then of course since you got me I'm going to have to get you and what is that it's just this perpetual I got you you got me I got you you got me I got me you you got me and it just never ends so we've, we've kind of put ourselves in that mix and we, we don't ever think about the fact that that never ends. We just go, oh yeah, that's so satisfying to see that I got you because you got me. Um, and, it, and, it's, and it's a vengeance. It's nothing but a sense of vengeance. And that's not karma. Karma is way higher in the vibrational scale of things than vengeance. So what is karma? Well, what we need to understand first is that the concepts of good and evil uh, are late concepts. Um, they came about in, uh, as a part of the religious motif 
um, that began with various gods or goddesses and uh, with the idea that if we weren't pleasing to them, then they would get us, they would punish us in some kind of way. And that idea, of course, comes from our childhood upbringing, which is if we don't please our parents, then they punish us in some kind of way. So we've we projected that outward onto the great cosmic sphere of things, and we've said, well, if if uh, if I do the wrong thing, then the gods are going to get me. So we decided we would make sacrifices to the gods, and we would give up the fatted calf for a happy celebration, and we would we would uh, sacrifice a sheep for a prayer, and we would sacrifice a goat for sins to be forgiven, and we would we would. Uh, make things go away that way. So therefore, our ships would not be becalmed, our our crops would grow, our wives would be fertile, our children would be blessed with smarts and success, and life would be great. Because we were, you know, had that little uh, rabbit's foot in our pocket, and we were rubbing it, rubbing it, rubbing it, and saying this is how life is supposed to be. Unfortunately, we also have done a lot of that in the New Age, New Thought, uh, movement where we've thought about the law of attraction in that same way that if I can just think good positive thoughts then the universe will be good to me if I can just keep my mind in order and never think anything po- negative or never have any negative feelings then the universe will be good to me and that's just the same exact magical thinking that the ancients did when they decided to make sacrifices to the gods what we sacrifice in that is our own authenticity we sacrifice our ability to get acquainted with those things we call negative feelings and negative thoughts because we fear that they will bring us bad luck and we uh, and we, and therefore we don't get the messages that those so-called negatives have to give us. They're not negatives at all. They're just energies that are going around in our mind and we need to understand them. And if we push them away, then we don't get the message they came to give us, which could be a life-altering message. So... Uh, and then we wonder why we feel stuck in that same old place we've always been and, and why the law of attraction isn't working for us. And what's wrong with us? Is the universe not like us, like it does other people? What's the deal? And the deal is that we're playing a magical game that that doesn't work. Um, and uh, so this whole idea of, you know, the universe recompensing for my actions is one of those ideas that it, it, it comes from comes late in our ancient history, it comes at the uh, onset of religion, um, which was late in our ancient history, and it also comes as a part of a desire not to suffer. Um, and the desire not to suffer is a part of just about every religion in some kind of way. But in the West, what we've done with that is we've said, well, if I'm a good person, then I won't suffer, or if I do suffer, then maybe some kind of miracle will come out of that, or or I will um, uh, be a better person because of that uh, suffering, etc., etc. So we try to make sense out of our suffering. Nothing wrong with that on its surface. But uh, so when we come to the concept of karma and we try to pl- apply that to this, what we say is I suffer because I've done something wrong. Therefore, if I start doing things right, then I'll stop suffering. And that's how we've, how we've uh, dumbed down this whole concept of karma to mean I'm going to have good things come to me from the universe if only I can X, Y, Z, which is be a good person um, in some kind of way. So, uh, but that's not how it originally started. It originally started 
as an evolutionary process that has to has to do with our uh, evolving into the Buddha nature or what the Western world might call the Christ nature. Um, you could also call it the Brahman nature. You could also call it uh, the divine nature. You could call it the divine self. It is the deepest uh, essential energy of who we are as an authentic being. Um, it is the soul. It is divine self. I frequently call it divine self. It is, um, it is that part of us that has never been wounded and therefore does not need to f- uh, seek out vengeance. It does not need, period. It doesn't have needs. It is always supplied with a full cup. Um, I just did a show about three or four weeks ago called The Full Cup, which you can go back and listen to with regard to that. Um, so, so when it comes to this whole concept of suffering, what we begin to see is that suffering is a part of the process that we go through to, to evolve into uh, 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 this divine self, this soul, this uh, Buddha nature, this Christ nature. And that process is one in which we, we walk through the, the life of the human being through various uh, elemental features of that life. And we uh, are transformed because of it. Um, I have a belief that we uh, transform a little bit at a time, lifetime after lifetime, and that's exactly the same as what karma says, that we karma is that in- energy of transformation that allows us, the soul, to actually implement the transformation that we need in a given lifetime. I don't think we get a lot of it in any one lifetime. If we're going to have to have several thousand lifetimes, then I think that we're probably going to get a little bit of it at a time. That makes the most sense to me. I don't know how you feel about it, but that makes the most sense to me. What what uh, the original um, thought was is that going ha- karma was a part of getting off the wheel of samsara. And that was a Hindu and a Buddhist belief that uh, that samsara was the wheel of life. And it, it included several different aspects. Um, uh, one of them was the hell realms. Another was an animal realm. Um, another was the human realm. And then there was the heavenly realms. And then there was Asura realm, which challenged the heavenly realms. And the hungry ghost realms, which also challenged the heavenly realms. So what what those were about were uh, when we were in the hell realms, we were just experiencing this torturous suffering. We didn't understand why. We couldn't seem to make it stop. All of us go through that at various times in our lives. Physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain, those kinds of pains do tend to take us through the hell realms at some point in our lives where we are um, we're left with this sense that pain is just another person in the room and we have to relate to it in some kind of way and figure out how we're going to relate to it and what we're going to do uh, with it because it's not going away like we want it to. Um, The animal realm is an aspect of living in which we feel like we're sort of a farm animal. We're enslaved to other people, perhaps. We're enslaved to life, and we we can't seem to make choices that really belong to us. Um, They could also include the, the wild animals, but since most of us don't really associate much with wild animals, um, and their freedom and their sense of hunger and, and being fed and relying on nature to take care of them, um, 
that our association is not as common anymore since most of us don't live that closely associated with wild animals. Although it could happen that we could be, so it, it could have that psychology with it as well. In the human world, we, we, are, we in, and encounter the social world involving all kinds of things from education, career, raising a family, keeping a home, leisure activities, all, you know, there's social interaction. The, uh, now today, the, the, the media, the, you know, Facebook and, and social networking, those kinds of things. We encounter these things and they have the potential to change us, to transform us. And if we get that transformation, then we move on to the heavenly realms. Well, you would think that would be enough, right? You would say, okay, I've arrived. I'm in heaven. I got this life that I wanted. But then come along these other challenges to sort of um, ask us what we really want. And so these asuras, they're kind of fighting spirits is what they were called. They're looking for ways to attack the heavens, to take away the that whatever it is that we want to keep that we think gives us this sense of, of security and relaxation and peace and joy. And, um, and then, so then there's this sort of letting go process that the Buddha spends so much time talking about um, where, you know, we have to be able to let go of uh, those parts of life in order to hold on to the deepest essence of who we are. And then what, uh, the other thing that, 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 um, challenges the heavenly realms is the heaven, the hungry ghosts realm, and in that realm, uh, there are there's like these this idea of a, a a person with a very thin esophagus, you know. So you can only you're really really thirsty, but you can only get a small little drop of water down that esophagus at a time, and that that image portrays in metaphor what this meaning is is that we. We want it all, but we can only have a little at a time. And and then that's kind of like saying, I, I have just enough to be okay. I'm okay now because I have just enough. But that, you know, for when, when we want it all, that doesn't ever seem to be quite enough. And it's not quite good enough. And we judge it as being not good enough. And therefore, we stop living in the heavenly realm. And then, of course, those challenges put us back in touch with the hell realms. And there we go. Now we're cycling back through the realms again. So you, you see how that wheel of samsara works. It's, it's actually um, a way of psych, uh, metaphorizing the psychological aspects of our life here on earth where we, where we suffer and we try to figure out why we're suffering and we eliminate the causes of our suffering and then we get to this other place and then something comes along and takes that away from us and we got to figure out our suffering again. And, uh, and so... That's why the Buddha spends so much time talking about attachment because he says that if we're not attached to these things, we'll be able to stay in the heavenly realm. We don't have to attach our, our sense of happiness and our sense of joy to the things, people, places, events that we have in our life. Um, those are secondary and perhaps potentials for our evolution, but they're not life itself. Um, so... Uh, why did I go over that with you? Well, the reason I went over that with you is because I want you to understand that the original intent of karma was not, uh, you know, you do something bad in this life and you get got in the next life and then you do something good in the uh, next life and you get a good reward in the next life. Um, that's not how it works according to this. Samsara, the wheel of samsara is a transformational wheel and karma is a transformational energy. 
and it has to do with becoming something. It has to do with identifying with something other than the aspects of life that we consider will make us okay, like our cars, our houses, our friends, our neighbors, our lovers, our wives and husbands, our children, our, you know, the things that we, we, we seek to belong to don't necessarily define us. And what we're looking for in the final outcome is a very refined image of self, a very refined image of who we are. As a being, that doesn't mean we stop relating to other people, places, events, and circumstances, but it does mean we relate from that deepest essence of who we are so that we, we become more able to uh, be real in the midst of any event and, and that we come from the soul, from its passion and compassion, rather than just coming from the fear that if we don't do something, something bad will happen or, you know, we won't survive, or, you know, bad things will happen to other people, and we'll be responsible for it, etc., etc. All of those fears are fears that are related to attachment. And uh, that is what uh, karma is trying to get us to stop doing, is stop being atta- attaching our sense of self to what, our, uh, what we have and, and what we own and the people we belong to and the people to whom, the, the people we would like to own. Um, so this whole thing becomes a kind of addictive sort of trance state that we get into when it comes to living out, um, this samsara cycle. We just get in that cycle and we, we, we bargain with it. We keep thinking, well, if I do this and that and the other, then I won't suffer. And then we do that and then we feel okay for a little while, but then the suffering returns and we don't understand why. And and then we have to figure out what we're going to do with suffering. And how we're going to utilize suffering. And if we can utilize suffering. And can suffering be facilitatory in some kind of way. So that we are uh, are able to grow because of it. And transform because of it. And is suffering really suffering all the time? And that's a question for us uh, to, to think about. Is, really, is, is suffering really suffering? Um, Eckhart Tolle says no, that we believe that we're suffering when actually there is no real suffering except the thought that we're suffering. Um, There's some merit to that thinking. I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, there's also some exploration that needs to take place with regard to what's really going on instead of just saying, well, that's not really suffering. I'm just not going to let that think about it that way. Uh, We have to do some further, deeper exploration. So we're going to talk about those explorations right after the break. Stay here. We're going to learn more about karma today. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you just seem to be stuck in the same pattern over and over? Sometimes life seems to be about just spinning your wheels. It never has to be that way. Listen for Welcome to the Mosaic Garden with host Christy Ellen, the Mosaic Shaman. Mosaic art is a lot like pieces of our lives. 
They just need to be put back together, one piece at a time. You deserve to live a happy life. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome to the Mosaic Garden airs live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Well, I have some good news about Oprah Winfrey's uh, Super Soul Sunday series. Uh, the OWN Network announced the launch of Start Your Day with Super Soul as the Emmy Award-winning series Super Soul Sunday will air favorite past episodes every morning now on OWN starting at Monday, this past Monday, June the 27th at 6 a.m. Eastern and Pacific. So viewers can start the day with uplifting conversations between Oprah and the top influential leaders of today exploring themes and issues including happiness, personal fulfillment, spirituality, conscious living, and what it means to be alive in today's world. You can find out more about it by going to www.supersoult.tv. That's www.supersoul.tv. So we're talking today about karma, and we said we wanted to explore more about the deeper meanings behind this whole concept of, of suffering and whether or not suffering was actually suffering. And we said that Eckhart Tolle has said that suffering is not really suffering. We just think that it's suffering. And because we think of it that way, therefore, we suffer. Um, I think there's some element of truth to that. I, I can't disagree with that wholeheartedly, although I would say that so many people want to just look at that statement and just go, okay, well, what I need to do now is just change my thinking. I just need to stop thinking that I'm suffering, and then I won't feel suffer. And I don't think that's enough. Uh, I think that the process is one that Carl Jung described um, uh, as individuation, but I also think it is is one in which he described the the unconscious being the the fertile ground of everything that becomes conscious after that. So it's like you know uh, the the unconscious is the ocean, and it brings to the land all that that the land can be to create itself. Um, it's not, and I don't think that's how it happens scientifically, but it's as if it could. If the, if the ocean could create the beach, then it would do that by bringing in a little bit of sand every day to the beach. And, um, and, and I think that's really true how the unconscious bec- evolves. We evolve into more consciousness by paying more attention to what goes on in the unconscious. And I think that might be more true to how we're going to, going to get off the samsara wheel. 
one of the main features of getting off the samsara wheel is that we no longer suffer. But it also means that we've developed a Buddha nature, and that's first. So the Buddha nature, the Christ nature, the divine self, the, the essence of the, of the self, the soul, all those words describe the same thing to my thinking, and they are also ways of, of saying, um, I am that I am. It's that deepest essence of, of, of who I am that it does act as who I am. One of the things that Jesus said was, uh, I can do nothing of my own uh, initiative. And what he meant by that, as I see it, is that he was not, he and his um, identity was not uh, the initiator of his own activities. His activities were coming to him from the self, the deeper divine self. And so his all that he did and said was being done by his deepest essence, not by an identity as Jesus, the son of Joseph, Jesus bar Joseph. Um, and he uh, therefore was able to carry out uh, the, the Christ nature in its truest form as an example to all of us for how we can all do that if we get in touch with that. And that's exactly what the Buddha was doing as well. Um, uh, that uh, living into a deeper essence of self. And in order to do that, he had to uh, meditate and find deeper aspects of himself. Um, of course, we know that the Buddha spent hours and hours and hours in meditation. And as he did that, he became different. And I think of that as sort of downloading information. That's much more of a modern day term than Buddha would have understood. But it, we're, it's it's we're sitting in the presence of our deepest divine self. Therefore, we download information. We download transformation from that deeper self. And we change and grow just by sitting in the same room with the divine self. And that, that, that's a very powerful, powerful tool uh, that we can use to become more present with who we are, to begin to act out of who our deepest essence is instead of acting out of an identity that sort of defines us in the social world. Um, and, and that process is one in which looking at the deeper uh, elements of suffering is, is vital. So if I'm in pain, then whatever the pain, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, um, then I, I have to learn to create an association with that pain. I, I have to be with that pain enough for it to speak to me. Um, and we don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't like being in pain, uh, and nobody does. And uh, so we want to say, just go away, pain. Just leave me alone. Uh, but it doesn't work that way. And so then we have to start a kind of dialogue in some kind of way with the pain where we begin to listen to it and hear what it has to say to us. And then we begin to understand that um, there's a deeper thing going on here than just the suffering. We're getting some kind of message from a deeper aspect of who we are that can really open us up to um, to the essence, that essence, that soul, that divine self, that uh, Buddha nature, that Christ nature. And uh, in the process, what happens is we let go a little bit of the idea that we have to get rid of pain. pain excuse me. 
And that's one of the things that when you read the sutras, the Buddhist and Hindi sutras, um, that they uh, indicate that once you have evolved to the place where you are the Buddha nature, or the divine self, as the Bhagavad Gita would call it, then you you don't care that you're still here on planet Earth and that you suffer. <laughs> so I think that's what Eckhart Tolle is trying to talk about when he says that suffering is an attitude of the mind, that, um, that, uh, that that's what happens. Once you transform into your deepest essence, then then suffering just doesn't hold that kind of a power over you anymore. And so, you know, we can know that when we suffer deeply, that we still have more work to do. But we also can know that that the power to um, to transform comes as a direct result of that suffering. So in that sense, the suffering is a gift from the universe that offers us an opportunity to hear what that particular pain has to say and what we can do with it. Um, and so we can begin to unfold a deeper part of ourselves. So I'll tell you a little story from my own life. I just recently had uh, some knee surgery and uh, I had the same surgery uh, several years ago, just an arthroscope because I tore the meniscus on my knee. But um, several back back in the early 90s I had the same surgery done and I remember at that time having a dream that the um, that that I was at an Indian I was a Native American in, in inside a tent and there was uh, warring white men coming to to you know destroy us and it was supposedly at the Battle of Wounded Knee and somebody, a soldier, came to the door and took his sword and slashed the door open of the of the teepee, and uh, looked inside. And inside there were a couple of people, and one of them was a, a Native American woman, and she was saying abandonment. So what I did with that information back then is, I um, I began to work with my abandonment issues. Everybody's got some of those to some degree or another. And so this, this began to help me to understand at a deeper level that the, the lower body extremities are talking to me about issues that ha- come from my heart and my soul and my mind. Um, and I began to work with that and, and really was successful doing so. And now I've just had surgery again on that same knee. And I suspect that I'll be dealing with some of those same issues. Um, so... Uh, it, when that stuff comes around, that pain that comes with that says, oh, you're going to have to look at this. You're going to have to stop and look at this. And now I can wrestle with it and, and tell myself I've got to make it go away. I can certainly do that. And lots of people are doing that all day, every day. Drugs and alcohol is a way of saying I will not feel pain. Um, you know, uh, sex addictions, all kinds of addictions are, are ways of saying I will not feel pain. Running workaholism, uh, running, running, running constantly, do, do, do all the time is that's a way of saying I will not feel pain. Just telling ourselves that it's wrong to feel pain. And that's a common, common thing for us to do. We, we commonly say, I shouldn't feel this pain. And we don't even know why we, we have that. But archetypally, we have that because we have associated suffering with evil for so many years, centuries indeed, that we 
that we um, don't understand that feeling pain is a part of the process of getting off that samsara wheel, of coming to a place of understanding who we are in a, in a ra- more absolute kind of fashion. Um, and and uh, so the process unfolds and unfolds and unfolds. And, you know, we, we think it's going to happen in the Western world. We think it's going to happen in a really linear fashion that we're going to grow to this certain point and that'll be that. But as we can see from the, the wheel of samsara, you grow to the place of the heavenly states and then you're challenged with the asuras. So it's, it's like you, you, can't, you can't say, I've arrived. I mean, I hear people have, I've associated with a couple of people who've said, I am enlightened. And they go around touting that, that they are, I'm an enlightened person. And um, I'm, I'm going, well, okay, I'm going to watch when the Asaras come and, and, and you have to have a conversation with them because they're coming to all of us. There's a challenge to every place we arrive to. Um, and I think that, you know, if we are done uh, with the uh, challenge of life, then we, can, we have a choice. According to the, Bo- uh, the Buddhist sutras, we have a choice. We can come back to, the, to this life as a bodhisattva, which means that we would not be on the samsara wheel. We would not have suffering, but we would be here to serve other people. Or we can just stay in the heavenly realms. Um, and um, that, that choice is ours to make. But uh, if, if we're not a bodhisattva, then we're going to have some suffering in this life, according to that idea. So if you're suffering, then it's an opportunity to, uh, to look at, to begin to dialogue with, to even potentially make friends with the pain that's in your life. Grief is just such an uh, uh, just such an ordeal, just such an opportunity as well, because grief allows us to finally arrive at acceptance, and acceptance says, "Okay, this is real. I didn't like it. I didn't want it, but it's real, and I can live with it. And I can even perhaps get something from it." Um, forgiveness is that same kind of process where we go through the same stages as grief. The, uh, the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the sorrow, and the acceptance, where we, we finally say, okay, that person offended me. I didn't like it. It hurt. And okay, I can live with that pain. And not only can I live with that, but I think I might even benefit from it in some way. And I think that is what forgiveness is all about. And there's a, a whole other show on forgiveness that you can look up. Uh, we've talked about it a couple of times here on the show, um, where we understood forgiveness to be for the gift. The word forgiveness means for the gift. When you finally get to that place where you understand the gift that you have gotten from this particular offense, then that's when forgiveness is real. That's when you've, you're, you've sort of more or less completed the forgiveness process. And it is a process, just like... Um, just like all the other processes of evolution are processes. So when we are um, in, in the midst of that process, it takes looking at our dreams. It takes looking at what comes up in meditation. It takes walking the walk of life and, and dealing with the pain as it is in life. Um, it takes challenging ourselves to stop trying to avoid the pain and be with the pain instead. Uh, it takes being willing to 
allow the pain to transform us. It takes being willing to accept that pain is a part of the process rather than an alien to the process, which is what we'd like to believe. Uh, so all of those things go together to help us understand that this is a part of life. Now, there are a lot of teachers out there who are teaching that if you're suffering, you must be doing something wrong. A lot of teachers, uh, Western teachers, Eastern teachers, uh, New Age, New Thought teachers are teaching this whole idea that, that if you are suffering, particularly when it comes to the law of attraction, if you are suffering, you're not doing the law of attraction right. Um, you're, you're doing something wrong. And so I have people come into my office and go, what am I doing wrong? And I'm like, you're alive. This is part of life. This is, you're not doing anything wrong. There's not, there's not a, you're not supposed to get rewards from the universe just because you think good thoughts that it just doesn't work that way. Um, so there are people who have thought some good thoughts and have done it in considerable amount, uh, considerably in a certain amount of time and they've gotten some reward or they've worked for something and they've finally attained to it and they think that those good thoughts got them there and so they want to keep doing that. But eventually what's going to happen is they're going to encounter something that will say, yeah, your good thoughts are not working right now. They're, they're not getting you the magical formula that you wanted to have. It doesn't work that way. might make you stay in a sort of... Um, uh, Pollyanna viewpoint of life, but it doesn't really get you what you're looking for. So um, the true law of attraction goes along with this concept of karma that we're talking about today that says, I'm attracted to everything, person, events, circumstances, uh, presence, suffering, whatever, that's going to bring me closer and closer each lifetime to knowing who I am as a divine being. That is the true law of attraction. We are attracted to those things, and those things are attracted to us. And we, we, we have this mutual attraction that gets us to, to transform, to helps us to move into more and more enlightenment, more and more understanding of life, more and more understanding of self, more and more acceptance of self, more and more love of self. Therefore, more and more love of life, more and more love of other people, more and more compassion for other people, and more and more awareness of self in relation to other. So uh, as we progress through these these. Um, these events that are what we some would call a negative event, uh, we we can learn and grow, and these are blessings to us. Uh, difficult, difficult, challenging blessings, but nonetheless blessings. Uh, and uh, as we are challenged to to be with those things, then we have to change our minds about what we're going to do with pain. And I'm being challenged even now to, as to what I'm going to do with pain. And, and, and that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That whole thing be, brings us to a newer, higher, uh, greater, deeper consciousness. All right. Well, we're going to talk some more about this right after the break. So stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. 
You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Tune in every week for Blooming in the Light. Host Marie Helen Turin will take you on a journey of personal growth and happiness. By using her experiences and those of her guests, she shows you that challenges in your life are really blessings in disguise. Whether you're facing aversion in parenting, education, spirituality, or other life experiences, we're here to show you a broader and lighter side. Blooming in the Light can be heard every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The divine lives within every one of us. Some people just need help unlocking it. Once you understand your own shadow self, you can begin to take steps to say goodbye to remorse, guilt, and shame. Then, own up to living your life with great delight. Listen for Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting with host Jim Stacy. For 15 years, Jim has studied the Aramaic language, the non-religious language of Yeshua. And through that language, you can learn how to choose the life you want to live and live above smallness and the victim. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, a doctorate, or a ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you may get a PhD, a doctor of ministry, or in the Holistic Theology program, a Doctor of Theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are Holistic Theology, Holistic Health, Holistic Ministries, Metaphysics, and Parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and peace, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing as your text-writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. That's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we're talking today about karma and what karma does mean and what it doesn't mean. And what we've said so far is that it doesn't have anything to do with good and evil. We've been taught 
in the Western motif that, you know, if we're good, then we'll have good karma. And if we're bad, then we'll have bad karma. And uh, do I believe that there's consequences to our actions? Yes. Uh, are those consequences always visible? No. And are there, um, does everybody get a just comeuppance? Absolutely not. There's criminals out there today that are very, very wealthy people. People even in power, positions of power, who, who are going around uh, touting their wealth and uh, claiming their, uh, their rightness for certain positions. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not getting a just comeuppance. Um, the mafiosa has been around for a long time and there's been, uh, some people have gone to jail, others haven't. So can we, can we say that we're always going to see that somebody gets what they deserve? No, we can't. And we can say, well, they'll get it in the next lifetime and maybe we won't see it, but they'll get it in the next lifetime. Well, we don't know that. So that's just sort of a, a, a sort of flimsy kind of, well, this is happening because, Anytime we put a because on it, we're spinning it to our own uh, understanding of life. And uh, that is not really effective. So, But what, what we do understand about karma is that it is the, an energy of the soul that is mean, means to transform us into soul. It is an energy that lifetime after lifetime brings us to the precipice of change and pushes us over so that we, we do transform. And that's an energy that's in every one of us. And very commonly, it's caused through suffering. Um, it can also be caused by happy events, such we say that's good karma. Well, um, there are things that happen that do transform us. We, I've certainly had jobs that, and promotions and um, uh, key events in my life that were very happy events, relationships, etc., that, that have changed me dramatically. And I'm very grateful for those things. So that's that's what we what I would call good karma. Uh, it's not just I would call it that. That's what the actual sacred texts call good karma. Uh, we we've associated it with good and bad because we have lived in a dualistic world for so long that we associate everything with good and bad. But that's what not what karma is about. Karma is not about good and bad. It's about transformation and the power to transform into who we actually are as divine beings so people talk about the law of attraction today i just said this in the previous segment that it allows us an opportunity to um to think differently so that we can have different events come into our lives and so people say well if you're having a bad thing come into your life then you must be having some bad thoughts you must be having some negative thoughts and our negative feelings so therefore that's why this is happening to you and, uh, you know, that's creating a cause and effect that just isn't there. First of all, thoughts are so ephemeral. They come and go so quickly that, that there's no way to say that the universe is going to grab one, all, every one of those. Um, and certainly, you know, I've had thoughts, you've had thoughts, we've all had thoughts that never transpired into anything. Um, I've had repetitive thoughts, worried thoughts, um, uh, constant thoughts, obsessive thoughts that don't amount to anything. They never, nothing ever comes of them. Um, so we, you can't, we, we can't make those associations. There's no cause and effect to those associations. But we can say that I am an evolving person, and these things in my life I can truly look back on, and I can say these things changed me, and that is the power of karma. Karma changes us. And uh, we, can, we can definitely look back for those things and find those things and, and know that, 
oh, well, this was a time when I was being challenged either through suffering or through some really powerful, wonderful events that to, to become something more of what I truly am. Um, and uh, so with regard to karma, we want to get off the, the wheel of samsara ultimately, which means that we no longer live as attached to um, the events, circumstances, places, people, things that we think make up a lifetime. We don't know that a lifetime is made up of the living. We think that the lifetime is made up of the life. We forget that the life is one thing and the living is another. Um, the living by what I mean by the living, I, I mean the, the divine self, the soul, the essence, the Christ nature, the Buddha nature, the, the uh, very special essence of who we are. Um, that, that is what the real living is, that we're living into presence with that. And as we become more and more present with that and live more and more from that, then we are more and more alive. And we're not necessarily having to live from making money or having a great relationship or having children or, you know, having the cars and the fame and the whatever it is that we want. We're not living from that kind of life that's associated with uh, the way we typically think of life. We're living from and in the living experience itself. So we come from a whole different psychological place when we do that. And that's a very healing place. It allows us to be so present with the deepest essence of who we are that we heal ourselves of our, our mostly the way we look at life. <laughs> we heal ourselves of the way we look at life. Um, and, and so we get off the seesaw of good and evil. Um, we get off the idea that that you did that to me, so next time somebody, I'm going to have to do that to you, and the next time you're going to have to do that to me, and the next time I'm going to have to do that to you. Uh, we get off that teeter-totter, that seesaw, and we, uh, we begin to look at life from much more realistic terms. As we said in the very beginning, a lot of our thinking about um, karma, about the law of attraction, about prayer, about uh, doing good deeds, about all kinds of things like that is based in magical thinking because we want to believe that if I do good deeds, then I will get a reward. I can't tell you how many times I hear here in the Bible Belt of the South um, that I'm going to have my stars in my crown for doing this good deed when actually they hate doing this good deed. Uh, the person that's speaking does not want to do this supposed good deed. They hate it. They resent having to do it. They resent the person who's asking them to do it. And yet they think that that's a good deed because they're doing it anyway. And they've made this great sacrifice to go do it. And actually, I call that fake. I don't think that's real at all. I think it doesn't come from anything authentic. I think there's nothing real in it, so there'll be no real reward. Um, or consequence, except for more resentment. That's a consequence. Um, and so when we, when we have this magical thinking, we, we tell ourselves, well, if I do this, then this will happen. And that's one of those bargains. I've talked a lot about bargains on this show. A bargain is, says, if I, then this. 
if I do this, then this will happen. And we, so we make up these bargains in our minds and we tell ourselves that this is the way it's going to be. And that's the magical thinking of a child. It's not the realistic thinking of an adult. And in that, in that way, then what we do is cut ourselves off from that living experience that I was talking about a minute ago, where we're living present with and living from the energy of that deepest core self, that deepest core soul, the, the divine nature, the divine self, the as the Bhagavad Gita calls it, the the Buddha nature, as the Buddhist sutras calls it, the uh, the Christ nature, as we call it in the Christian faith. Some people in the Christian faith call it. There, there, uh, that idea that we come from that, as Jesus said, I do nothing of my own initiative. We come from that deepest core essence and live totally from that so that we don't, we're not living from our money. We're not living from our cars. We're not living from our houses. We're not living from our relationships. We're living from the energy, the essence, the core of who we are. And that is the Buddha nature. And that is what gets us off the wheel of samsara. And that is what's created by karma. Um, and, and so, you know, uh, I guess what I'd like to say about karma is that when we misuse it, uh, it doesn't stop being karma. It doesn't stop. It it's it almost considers our thinking about it to be irrelevant. It says it's such a powerful, powerful force uh, that it will continue to operate regardless of anything. And we will absolutely get what we came to a particular lifetime to get. There is no way to fail. To get that, in fact, even the Old Testament of the of the Christian Bible and the uh, Jewish Tanakh says, um, "My word will not return to me empty." So, in other words, what God is saying to Isaiah in that in that particular phrase is, "I will accomplish what I came here to accomplish. I will accomplish it. There's no way to fail." We have, a, we have a, an idea that the universe can fail in doing what it wants to do, that God can fail, that, you know, people have their own will and so what. We, they, we can, so that means that we can fail and God can fail. So we, we believe that and we've been, we believe it deeply. And uh, what we don't understand is that karma, karma never fails. Karma never fails to accomplish what it came here to accomplish. Just like God said, I, my word will not return to me void. Uh, in the sense that there, if I've come here to get A, maybe I'm, I didn't come here to get B, C, and D, but, but I came here to get A, I'm going to get A in that lifetime because that is the energy of karma and that's what I came here to get and that's what I'm going to get. And then I'm going to carry A with me into the next life and get B in the next life. And then in the next life, maybe I'll get C. Or maybe I'll have to get a little more B before I go on to C. But either way, I'm going to get it. There's no way to fail because karma is just that way. It is an operation of the soul and the soul will not fail. So that's one of the things we can carry with us, that there is an operating force in our lives that is working all the time that never fails to do what it came here to do. And there's a release that comes with that that, that uh, we can't find anywhere else that just says, wow, there, you know, I'm really going to get what I came here to get. I won't fail. Even if I'm, you know, look like a failure, I'm not going to fail because it, 
because that's part of what I came here to get. Even if I look like a failure to everybody else, somehow that failure is going to help me get what I came here to get. That's a beautiful concept. And it's far, far off the course of this idea that we better, you know, be good or we'll get bad karma. Okay, so we're done for today. Uh, we'll be back next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.